Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined today to talk a little Texas baseball with former Longhorn and 20-year Texas State coach uh, Ty Harrington, fresh from his from a, a, a gathering of his of his Bobcats. Um, Ty, how you doing? Well, I'm better now. Uh, I love the way you use the word fresh. And uh, so I am um, had a big evening last night with a bunch of former players and um, a lot of fans. And it was just a great time for me and uh, to go back and uh, spend some time with some guys. And we spent a lot of time, probably too much time last night together. But I'm, uh, I'm up and running, certainly excited and proud you invited me to come on your show. Well, I love talking baseball with you because you were a part of as a player, you were part of Texas Longhorns teams that went to the College World Series in 84, 85, 87. Um, and, of course, your incredible uh, coaching career there at Texas State. Um, but, you know, I look up and I see the Texas Longhorns preseason number one in collegiate baseball's poll, in D1 baseball's poll. And when you as a, a coach – see that is it usually because of pitching like it is in football you know if you have the returning quarterback who's had some success give me your thoughts on on being that uh preseason number one team i think if you take the momentum coming out of last year first and foremost um you know competing for a national title sometimes people lose sight of how precious that is and how hard that is to be the last man standing and uh and they made a bid to do that um and how exciting it was for all of us as fans alumni everybody um in the longhorn nation in college baseball right it was like the college baseball was world was right again you know ut's in omaha and and uh and playing for national titles but i, I think even beyond the momentum when you start to look at personnel and most people do start with pitching and you can start with you know having stevens and hansen back and you got to replace ty madden now, i gotta i'm, I'm gonna say this i thought ty madden outside of having the greatest first name in the history of the world i thought that he on friday nights you could you could book that it was going to be seven innings and it was going to be seven innings of just beating you down with his fastball and his breaker and his competitive emotion so they they've got to replace that i think if you Look at the three starters they have right now, you know, whether they take Witt out of the bullpen and, and move him to a starting role, which I think maybe they're trying to do. There's three really, really, really quality starters in there that have got a lot of experience pitching in big time baseball. So that's a great place to start, right? Pitching and defense and, and the pitching side of it, you know, having to, you know, maybe if they do take Witt out of the pen, who's going to go in? Because, you know, last year when you got to the seventh, when they started rolling relievers out there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning last night, they or last year they were the same as the guys that were starting or better at times. So it was a you were playing a six out or a six inning game against Texas at times last year because the back end with Witt and Nixon were so good. And so pitching is a great place to start. It always is going to be the the difference. In, you know when you get into championships, is being able to hold guys to three runs. Um, and being able to, you know, calculate your offense off of that. But the second half of that is, you hear it all the time, is that pitching and defense, their defense is absolutely through the roof. I don't know 
if I've watched a defensive team play um, at the caliber that they play with the, the insight, the intuitive, the physical abilities, um, the coach part of it, every piece of a defensive team you could put out there, these guys possess. So you lose your third baseman last year, so they go out and they get a grad transfer from Kansas. And I had a chance to watch that young man practice, you know, twice, I think. I'd yes, already Tyler knew Messinger. Yeah. And from Kansas. He made every bit, you know, and I mean, and you guys got like uh O'Dowd and Staley, and those guys is your backups. Those guys are starting just about anywhere else in, in college baseball. So they have depth, they do play tremendous defense. They don't uh, Chip, when you get into championship baseball, at the end of a game, a coach goes to his team and he talks about all the things that we got to do better than this. We got to do this. We did this wrong. Yeah, but pointing out all the things we got to improve on. They don't make those defensive mistakes that at the end of the day, as a coach, you go, well, if we had just done this, we might have won that game. And it is so impressive to, to see how they manage the baseball and how detailed, detailed they are around that baseball and how they do things. And it's fun to watch. David's always been a, a tremendous, uh, you know, preacher of, of defense. Man, then you add Tulo in there, who is a really detail-oriented person when it comes to defense. And, uh, of course, Sean, I think, has done an unbelievable job of the pitching staff, too, by the way, and the way they managed that staff last year. So to answer your question, a long answer, you start with the pitching side of it, yes, you're 100% correct. To me, one of the most impressive things, and, again, I'm a defensive-oriented guy, and I love the beauty of it and what it really looks like when it's really clean and good. Her defense is through the roof. And then if you draw a big circle around that whole field, position player-wise, every one of those guys on that field are draft-eligible potential baseball players. I don't know that I've seen that kind of balance before in the Texas lineup in a long time. Yeah, and in talking to David Pierce, he uh... – you know, I'm kind of bouncing around here, but he he loves his outfield. Yeah. You know, when you talk about Eric Kennedy and and Hodo, and now yep. you've got Austin Todd back yep. for a sixth year, Ty. <laughs> that's sixth over a year. That's over half a decade, by the way. <laughs> I mean, Austin Todd, the guy is uh he's immortal. He is. But he is. what do you like about that outfield? Man, how about let me tell you what I like about it. Try to hit a ball in the gap and try not to let try to get one to land on the turf. Those guys they're, they're so fast and they break on the ball and, and they got so much experience. I mean, and think about with you know, Kennedy with being a you know left-handed and playing left field and and being able to cover the line with his glove side. Yeah, Hodo in, in center field now that can really, really, really fly. And then Austin Todd, along with being able to run and being incredibly athletic. His in, his intuition is so unbelievable out there. So six years is a lot of experience, right? That's a minor league baseball player or a major league baseball player playing right field. And the same with Kennedy because Kennedy's had a lot of at bats and a lot of you know fly balls hit his way. The difference is games get separated in the sixth, fifth, and sixth innings. Sometimes when somebody hits a double, that your outfield play is just not quite fast enough. You've seen it. And it just gets out of the reach of the center fielder or the right fielder for a double. Changes the whole game in the fifth inning, right? With a runner on first base and two outs or something. I, I, I challenge you to try to get a ball that's going to land out there because those guys can really, really run. They take tremendous angles at the ball and they know what they're doing. Once they have the ball in their hand, 
they do a tremendous ball, you know, throwing the ball back in and, and knowing what to do with it. So it is, it's a great place to start. It's exciting. If I was a pitcher, I'd sit out there and I'd throw fly balls, uh, you know, outs to them all the time because they're going to go catch it. So um, when you look at what Texas lost from last year and they were this close to beating Mississippi yep. State and getting into that championship series, of course, Mississippi State goes on to win the national championship. Um, you know, they lose Zach Zubia. They lose Cam Williams, as you mentioned, from third base. Um, you know, they lost Mike Antico, their leadoff guy, and 41 stolen bases. I mean, that is a ton of production right there. You know, as a coach, that's a lot. I mean, we're talking, these are 50 RBI, 50 RBI guys and and home run guys. I mean, they were they were all uh 10 home run guys. So that's a lot to lose, isn't it? It is a lot to lose. And and one of the most impressive things about Texas last year's offense, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion. When you look at them, they you could get through their lineup once, maybe twice, but they just wore you down trying to get through that lineup that third and fourth time. They had such long, long at bats. You know, I could go back, I don't remember if it was a regional, I think it was. Zubia had like a 12 pitch at bat in an RBI situation. I think it was a super regional, if I'm not mistaken. And then blisters the ball back through the middle, scores two. And I remember thinking to myself, and they, they'd gotten a walk, I think, early in that inning and just a long, drawn out. They knew what they were capable of doing and trying to, you know, trying to teach young hitters to stand in there, take a walk if it's there, drag bun if it's there, you know, and getting you get into hot counts or, you know, being able to really look in an area for a ball that you really want to get after and drive and, and really get your barrel after. And, and uh, that thought they did such an unreal job. And, and to your point, Zubia and and those and Cam were those guys right there in the middle of that. And Antico, if you go back and you look at his, his batting average, it wasn't, it wasn't great, right? He, was, he got off to a really, really slow start. Go in there and look at his strikeout walk ratio. I don't know that I've seen a kid with a strikeout walk ratio like that in a really, really long time. And his ability to, to steal bags off the idea he was going to take a walk reminded me of the old Kobe Curlin days. And, uh, and you know, like 100 and something walks one year, you know, like our, our senior year or something like that in 80, 87. But point is, is they, they had long, unbelievable drawn out bats. So now you got to go replace these guys. Melendez probably moves over to first base. Hodo moves up, you know, to center field. Um, and, you know, and Mechinger coming in for uh, from Kansas. So they've got the guys that, it just shows you the depth of that team they had last year. I think those guys will be just as good. And I really, truly think that offense might even be better because of the experience and the amount of at-bats they had last year um, going into this year. And so, yeah, hard place, no question about it. But that's why you go out and recruit great players. That's why you go out and find the kind of guys you need to replace the guys that are leaving. Um, and you just kind of restock the shelf when you get right down to it. And it's exactly what they did. It's, it's impressive. When you get out there to see these guys live, I got to watch them take BP and take some ground balls maybe last Sunday, I think it was. It is really impressive. It really is. Their, their batting practice, and now this is a coach talking because I, I get a little different joy out of watching different things, maybe other people, but their BP was so impressive. Um, and then I think they went out there in an inter-squad game and faced a left-handed kid. It was, And he was an average VLO guy. He, you know, he has to survive on getting guys out on the outer half of the plate. 
I looked up, and that starting lineup had four straight uh, base hits down the right field line, all right-handed hitters. And at that point in time, you know those kids, number one, are locked in, but they're going in there with a plan. I'm going to take the outside part of the plate away. I'm going to make that the middle part of the plate for me. I'm going to move up in my mind, maybe even my body, but I'm hitting that ball to right field. I'm going to take that side of the plate away. And they had a tremendous plan going into it, and they executed. That's the experience part, Chip, that, that when you're an experienced team, you might get me once, you might get me twice, but that third time I'm going to stay after you, which is what they did last year. And, again, I, I'll, I'll be totally shocked if they don't repeat that same kind of attitude and that same kind of plan that they've had. That's a part I think that, that uh, Tulo and David have done such a great job. And I will say this probably more than one time to you. I think David Pierce does an unbelievable job of he knows what his guys are capable of doing. He knows what each of them can do. He gets them in those situations. When those guys get into those situations, he takes advantage of what they can really do well. And sometimes that's hard to do. As coaches, we start asking kids to do things they don't do as well. He knows what that is. He knows his personnel well. He puts them in a great situation, and he allows them to go out there and execute it in a competitive way. That's great stuff right there. We'll come back. We'll take a quick break with Ty Harrington talking some Texas baseball right here on the flagship podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ty, I want to, I want to get back, you know, we're talking about David Pierce and, um, you know, you, you mentioned he knows what guys do well and, and, and keeps them right there. What, you know, after watching him work now for a few years, what do you like about David Pierce, um, in the way that he's leading the program? Well, first and foremost, you got to have great players, right? So, so his staff and, and David and him are going out and they're locating the, the, the best players, as they should, right? It's the University of Texas. So that gives you, you know, when, you, when, that, when that orange phone rings, you get immediately get people's attention. And, uh, and they've done a great job of that. And not just because, you know, you can get out there and get some of the best players, but you got to evaluate them, make sure they fit for what you want in that program and what you're trying to do or what piece you're looking for uh, to build off of. And I think they do a tremendous job of evaluating I think they do a great job of, you know, presenting what University of Texas history is, what it means, and what it's going to look like moving forward. They 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 embrace the idea of they've won championships there before. They promote the idea that it's one of the greatest universities and certainly one of the most historic baseball programs in the country, and they promote it, right? And they do a great job of that, and so it, it gets kids' minds like, yeah, I want to go play, you know, for national titles. That's what everybody wants to do. And I think they do a good job with it. And then, the, like I said, the evaluation part of it is the biggest piece, right? Because you, you can't miss. If you, if, you know, 11.7, now it's changing with NIL some, but with, with 11.7, you really couldn't afford to miss very much. And so you had to be right on. And, and so the evaluation was, was is a big part of it. I think they do a good job. And I, I just think David sees the game in a really, really simple way. And he he uncomplicates it, right? So 
these players today and chip I'm, I'm probably going too far one way or another right now these players have so much noise in their heads right now about you know you could one click and you can pick up a ton of information about anything you want right and these guys live in a world where they've had so many you know other coaches hitting coaches throwing coaches basement whatever getting this point or there's so much information and i think he does a beautiful job of keeping the noise away from them and keeping him focused on what they trying to what they're trying to do and how they want to do it and then i i just think he simplifies it for them in their brain i think he puts a plan out there everybody gets tired of hearing this and but the reality is he puts a plan in front of them within his staff and those guys know what they're doing you watch them go out and practice you watch them before games you watch them during games there's very few missed thoughts that those young men have when they're out there on that field. So they're well coached, they're well drilled. He he simplifies it for them. And then the last piece of this that I know David is really really good at because he and I've had a handful of conversations. It's impressive to listen to. He he is really good at the the emotional side of the game with those guys. He knows how to challenge them. He knows how to pat them on the back. He knows how to put his arm around them. He knows how to love on them, and he knows how to push them. And nowadays, you have to be able to adapt to a young man's emotions the way the, the game is set up and the way college athletics is set up today, right now. And I think he does a tremendous job with that. And, you know, the other piece of that, and I'm going to leave this part up, he loves to compete. And I think that I think that comes off of him into his players as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's I think it's going to be fascinating to see now the target is right there. <laughs> I mean, you there's nowhere to go but down when you're number one, right, Ty? I mean, well, there's a there's a there's a on, on that hook 'em horns right there. There's a there's a there's a bullseye around it right now, right? Not the first right. time, won't be the last time. That's, that's and, right. Uh, but you're right. And how do they handle that, right? And and, and that's probably where you like, how, how do they as the coaches that that is is an important piece how the coaches handle it. But let me tell you what is also maybe even more importantly is that. How do the kids handle it? What what can they do when there's a little bit of failure? How do they handle that as an individual and as a team? How do they handle it with all those accolades and all that? They good. Hey man, we all love to be told we're really great at something, right? We come home like, man, whoo, I feel pretty good right now, right? And then so when you hear that or you read it, what does it do to you? Does it make you kind of go, hey, I feel pretty good? I'm like, or does it go, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go out and work that way. You know, I'm going to treat myself I'm, as a champion. I'm going to look like a champion. I'm going to work like a champion. If I read it and I hear it and I, I see it, okay, I, I'm all right with that. But let me go out and do what I need to do. Let me keep going off the momentum that I, we had a year ago that we're, we both. Because if we really are talking about winning national championships, you have to be able to look past, you know, that hey, we're number one. We could walk around with a big, you know, bulls on our chest. But I've watched these guys so far. I've been impressed with. They put their heads down and they go to work. And that's important. When you look at the when you look at the pitching, you know Pete Hansen probably going to be your Friday Friday guy. And you know by the end of last season, you could argue he was the best pitcher on the team. Um, and you know he's a lefty, and and to me, his secret sauce, his superpower is commanding both sides of the plate, the outside of both, you know, both sides. Yep. And and just talk about what you like about Pete Hansen and what he brings as a, you know, as the first uh, of the weekend starters. Let me tell you what he, well, he can, he can throw it, he can throw that baseball on a gnat tiny anywhere <laughs> he wants to on both sides. And you alluded to it, both sides of the plate. He commands, and you have to when you're left-handed, 
you know, his velo wasn't up to where it was early in his career last year. And I think there were a lot of different things kind of building back up later in the year. You can see his, his stamina and his velo start to grow. If you watch that young man, he commands he commands a fastball on, first, on both sides, on first base and third base side of the plate, right? What he also does, if you don't, if you pay close attention, he throws two different breakers in there. He'll throw a, a he'll throw a backdoor breaker. He'll throw a, a breaker right off your back foot if you're a right-handed hitter. One's bigger than the other. One's a, a get me over. He changes speeds on his fastball, and he has the ability to elevate. He understands how to get the ball above, up in the top part of the triangle, uh, to get guys to chase when they get in a two-strike situation, or if they get an over-aggressive approach to it. He understands how to go to the top of the triangle. And so he he's in complete control of his hand delivery, his body delivery, and more importantly, he's, he, he's in complete control of his brain delivery of the baseball. He knows what he's trying to do with it. He has a, a thought-out process of how, he, you know, he wants to pitch, how he can't pitch. Um, and I, I just – if you're looking for a guy who's going to go out there on Friday or Saturday, whichever day it is, it probably looks like Friday, you, you leave that game if he's gone seven innings – He's going to be right at 105 pitches, and he's going to have, you know, six, five strikeouts, six strikeouts, a lot of pop flies, a lot of ground balls in that infield. And if I was him, which I know I'm not – he knows, I'll be in there just trying to, you know, induce contact and keep my pitching count down, my pitch count down, and let that tremendous defense go to work every day for me. I can promise you that. There, there are times when guys, pitchers try to get up there and they try to strike everybody out because they don't trust their defense. Man, I you watch this guy – how many first pitch strikes he throws when he starts a game. It'll be impressive for you. Well, and then Tristan Stevens, you know, you talk yeah. about a guy who pitches to contact, works quickly with that power sinker ball. Yep. Um, what do you like about him? I'd love to play shortstop for him. I'd love to sit back there and get my seven assists in the game and sit out there and, and, and have a lot of fun. And, and uh, he just, you know, he does, he sinks the ball. He, he actually has the ability to sink the ball. On his fastball, he has the ability to sink the ball off his changeup as well. So he's got he's got two pitches going two different directions, and then his breaker, you know, which you, you want a pitcher to make the ball go two different ways, and uh, which allows him to attack right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters. So you got to have an answer because in college baseball, often enough, if you're a right-handed pitcher, you've got to have an answer to left-handed hitters, right? So more time, sometimes people worry about throwing breakers down and in to, to left-handed hitters because it puts it right into what used to be called the nitro zone. And uh, he has the ability to go in there and, and flip that change up in there in 1-0 counts, 2-1 counts, where it's a positive count for the hitter. And he goes in there with, you know, and just tremendous arm speed. There's it's complete deception to a hitter for him to go in there and just attack that change up. And, uh, and it's all speed. All else fails. He gets in a 1-1 count, runners on first and second, one out on a right-handed hitter, power hitter. He's going to run that two-seam sinker in there and let him beat it right down the ground for a double play and let Faltini and those guys turn double plays all day long. Yeah, and they turned 40 of them, Faltini did last year. Yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of them thanks to Tristan Stevens. That's exactly right. So Tanner Witt, we mentioned it. Um, you know, what a, what a freshman season. Yep. And and now if he moves up into that Sunday starter role, what do you like about him in that role? Well, I love his emotion. And, uh, well, let me back up. I love his big power breaker and his downhill 93-mile-an-hour, 94-mile-an-hour fastball. And I love his emotion on top of it. It's just hard to find big, physical young men like him that can just – I mean, that thing – Chip, when that thing's coming out of his hand, it is coming straight downhill. Um, he located – he threw – 
I made a joke actually to myself in the inter-squad game the other day. I, I don't remember who he was facing, and he was throwing his breaker. And it is a, it is really a hard charging, big, covers so much ground, breaker. But when all else fell, he he could get out there. Honest to goodness, he could go out there, and if he could locate down and away fastballs at that angle, he don't have to throw a whole lot of too many other things. It's just it's just a bad matchup for hitters. It, it didn't, you know, most hitters don't have the ability to get their barrel in position to take on a fastball that's 93 miles an hour coming down straight downhill on the outer half of the plate. It just it's hard on any hitter. And uh, I think when you see him get into a bind, uh, if he does, which oh he will, when he gets into a bind, he'll, he'll go to his down and away fastball because it is powerful. And uh, I was sitting behind the home plate kind of giggling because you, you can hear it coming. And uh, you kind of hear it sizzling, and you certainly could hear the catcher's mitt. And and uh, and like I said, he, he got into a situation. He had run his own somewhere, I don't remember where, and he just went right to that down away fastball, and it was powerful. So I love his emotion. He's really passionate about – he likes being out there. You saw that last year, right? He was fired up. I mean, everybody in the crowd was fired up in the dugout. So I think if there was one thing, I would say, how do you manage – you know, those were three out, six out emotions, right? That's different. And big crowd, big moments, everybody's fired up. You know, How do you manage efficiently – how do you manage that for seven innings? How right. do you get to that point? It's not about the physicality for him, right? Look how big he is. I mean, he, he he's one of those guys that's got all kind of stamina in him. But trying to get him to calm down to get his emotions to last seven innings, I think, is what they're probably spending some time on. And uh, I'm, I'm sure they are because he's been a starter before. But, you know, a lot of people don't know about him. He really didn't start pitching until later on in his career in high school. And uh, so that is a really talented, fresh arm. And so what you see below today isn't what you're going to see in May. You're going to see a thing about two to three mile an hour, or two mile an hour, even heavier and harder than, than what you're seeing right now or what you saw last year. Well, one of the guys who I think uh, Pierce is excited about coming off of injury from last year is Andre Duplantier, yep. um, who can you know throw the ball really hard, uh, has a curveball. I haven't seen him. I don't know if you've seen him or what you've heard. But maybe he can fit into that Tanner Witt role this year. Yeah, I think so. No, I have seen him when he was in high school. It's been a while. Um, but, man, he is some kind of athletic. Um, you know, a lot of times this isn't going to come out always right. There, there are a lot of good athletes that are pitchers. Actually, most pitchers are tremendous athletes because what their skill level, what they're trying to do is not easy to do. But if you watch him, he's a really athletic kid with that baseball in his hand. And, uh, and so I, that, that gives him the ability to repeat. And when you're athletic, and you might have a great arm, but when you're athletic and competitive, you got to be able that, that arm's got to come back, and that hand delivery's got to come back over and over and over and over, and you got to know it's going to happen. And, and more times than not, when you watch the great ones, they're really good athletic people too, and so gives him a chance to repeat. And so I, I know they're counting on him. I know they're excited. He's got tremendous. I mean, again, you're going to hear the baseball coming out of his hand. And uh, it's a tremendous delivery, and, and it's got tremendous power to it. And so I know they're excited about it. I know he, he's a tremendous kid. I've, I've spent a little bit of time around him. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he he's one of those guys that, I don't know, he's excited to get back. He's, he's anxious to get back out there, right? He's ready. And so that first pitch he gets out there in, in a real game is allowed to be 105 miles an hour at some point in time <laughs> and uh, just because he's going to be ready to go. Well, newcomers, you mentioned um... – Jack O'Dowd from Vanderbilt, who can play third base if they need, 
because you've got Faltini at short, you've got Mitch Daly at second, as you mentioned, uh, Melendez at first, um, but Jack O'Dowd is is a name to keep an eye on. And then uh, you've got uh, Gavin Cash, a talented left-handed bat that I think they're excited about, and yep. and Joshua Stewart, a freshman pitcher. So there's going to be some, and Stewart may end up being their their midweek starter or their Tuesday night yep. starter. There's some excitement around the newcomers. And, of course, you mentioned Skylar Messinger from uh, Kansas, who yep. who also can play third. I think that the, they, they added the right pieces. They added some young arms, too. Um, I think – so if, if you're going to go after Texas right now, you know, I think it's probably – what is it? Maybe seven, if not eight, right-handed hitters in the lineup. So you need a left-handed – you need two – you know, left-handed options off the bench for a guy who just has a tremendous, you know, the schedule he plays is unbelievable. Which that's the other thing about David. He's not afraid to bet, by the way. He's not scared to go play anybody. So you're going to face power right-handed sliders. There may be times during the year he's going to need cash and some of these guys to come off the bench that are left-handed hitters to come up with big hits. Two out hits and, you know, in the eighth inning for a pinch hitter for somebody just because – Ball right-handed slider running away from the right-handed hitters are tough on him. <clears throat> so I, it is. I do think a couple of those left-handers are going to be important for their success and and how good they do. You know, translate late in games or if somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, having that you know left-handed bat to go in there in the game and or for a couple of games if somebody is out. Um, I know you mentioned O'Dowd, who's you know he's a he's a baseball family guy, right? He got probably you know his, his diaper probably had a baseball you know, drawn on it when he was born. And so they, um, they just, you know, it, it, again, going back to the recruiting thing, I, I, you know, they, they bring in really good looking. I mean, they're physical. I mean, look, look at Faltini, his freshman year. Okay. Go out there and go look and see what he looks like now. Hodo the same way. Those guys and all of them, Kennedy, all those guys, man, they're, uh, they're so physical looking. And, you know, in baseball, it used to be, well, if you're little, you can still play this game. True, but not true. Those guys, they may have some smaller stature guys, but they are just put together. And, and so they've done – they put the work in in the weight room. And, and uh, I, I mean, again, the, their lineup, who they are, their backups, um, they've got the right mix to, to do some tremendous things. The new guys – and, you know, and, and here we are. I'm sitting there looking at a, a, a note I wrote down. You ain't even talked about Nixon. And, I mean, how solid was that guy? Do you, do you remember the Friday night game? I went to Fort Worth. I had a weekend off. I went to the Friday night game of Texas and TCU at Fort Worth. And it was the first time COVID-wise. There were 80,000 people at that game. It seemed like it was so much fun. It was so cool that night. We're nursing. A, we are Texas and nursing a one-run lead in the night. Witt gets in a little trouble, runs first, second, nobody out. Nixon comes in, bam, 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 bam. Like, I, I mean, it, you didn't, he didn't throw a, a, a bad pitch. I think he threw nine pitches or 11 pitches, something like that. They're out of the gate. See, we're on the way to the bus, you know, with a big win, one-run win on the run, on, on the road. And, and so, to me, that guy's got tremendous heartbeat to be for those last those last few outs of the game. You can say what you want about the first 24 outs or 23. They're all important, every single one of them. But test your blood pressure when it's the last three every time and see what it does and put a monitor on everybody's heart and see what that looks like. And that kid fits that role really well. That's what they choose to go back and use him for. Last year, he was really good at it. Quadzilla. Yeah. 
I mean, dude has quads like Earl Campbell. It's unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and he's got a head like a whiskey barrel. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy just looks like he's ready for a bar fight, you know? He, well, let me tell you what. He looks at He gets out there on that mound, boy. It, it, it's like he sees nothing else. Like, it, you never see his face wandering around. You never see a, a look of disbelief. You never see a look of, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it is just lasered in and give me the baseball. Here we go. We're going to win. Yeah, and to find that as a freshman last year, Aaron Nixon, wow. Uh, that gives you that gives you confidence. Chip, I mean, last, it's – Last nine outs last year, or the last six outs of those games last year, were freshmen. Yeah. In, in the biggest stage, you know, and, of course, uh, Kinsley, I thought was great, too, for them. I thought he threw really well for them as well. But then you got to replace him. But – those, those are young, young, good arms out there. And the biggest moment, just it didn't phase them a bit. You know how they they take their uh, their vein and they they shoot, you know, <laughs> ice water into their yeah. veins? Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we've got a little bit of a changing landscape in the in the Big 12, too, with Schlossnagel going off to Texas A&M and Sarlus, uh now coaching at TCU, yep. Oklahoma State has uh, is getting some love in the preseason, um, and Texas Tech with Tadlock, they're always seemingly in the mix. But give me a, a couple thoughts on the Big Twelve and and what it looks like. You know, it's always interesting when there's a coach change. You never it goes. Well, this is I guess obviously about I'm about to make an obvious statement. If it either goes one of two ways, right? It either goes really great. And, you know, you know, you take off with a new, you know, enlightenment of a new coach, new energy, all the above. But um, and so for TCU, I think that is what everybody's going to pay attention to. You know, they've got the athletes here because Jim and him did such an unbelievable job recruiting and Sarlus as well. Um, and so I, it's going to be about the, the, you know, whether they take on, you know, Sarlus's personality or do they get stuck between both or whatever it may be. So it, it's really going to be interesting to watch. Um Oklahoma State, I mean, you know, Holiday's done – he's done such an unbelievable – I think he does a great job. And that ballpark is, holy cow, through the roof, you know, beautiful. And they've done an unbelievable job of recruiting. Uh, you know, I think uh, Seeley's up there now, who was the assistant at A&M. He's their hitting guy at Oklahoma State now. And and, uh, and actually Justin played for me one year in, in junior college. And But he's a really good offensive uh, teacher. So, I, you know, I think Baylor – you know, how good is, uh, you know, Baylor going to be coming? They were right on the on the cusp last year of being a regional team. Felt like they kind of got left out last year. Um, I know they got Rigney back this year who was out last year. He'll be their Friday or Saturday starter on the mound. Um, and so, it, to me, it's, it's, it's going to always be a great baseball league. Well, how much longer they have it. It's always going to be a great baseball league. And everybody knows, regardless – you know, how good everybody is in the league. Everybody, and, and I think Skip Johnson, who's a, a dear friend of mine, and uh, he and Tim Tadlock and I were all junior college rats together growing up, learning how to coach. And Tim, to me, has done an incredible job in, in Lubbock, Texas, recruiting baseball teams that are going to Omaha. I, I did, you know, Tim's a tremendous baseball. Sock, another one, like David, a very, very solid, you know, simplifies everything, goes out and finds great players, simplifies it. Skip, obviously, his personality He's always going to have power arms. I've never seen a guy that had so many arms on the mound uh, as Skip has always had. Even in junior college, he had guys he'd roll out there. You're like, where does this guy come from? <laughs> and so 
I, I'm, it's in, it's going to be fun. It's going to be intriguing. It's always going to be competitive. And and truthfully, everybody knows they're probably going to have to go those those matchups on on Sundays in the Big Twelve are going to decide who goes to regionals and who wins Big Twelve championships. Friday and Saturday are always great matchups. You can almost write down over time how those games are going to go and who's probably going to win. And over time, analytics are going to tell you a lot how that's going to go. It's the Sunday games. On that last third day, how much pen have you used? Did you know everything that's happened along the way? And and those Sunday games are the ones to me, um, from a coach's perspective, start to separate who's going to win a championship. But I can promise you this: it'll be great baseball. And, and here's the last thing on this part too: not only in the Big Twelve, college baseball. I said this last year: college baseball was going to be the most mature baseball it's ever been last year because of the COVID year and the kids getting to stay another year. The draft with only X amount of rounds, right? So we had we had guys playing college baseball last year. Historically, would have been playing, you know, somewhere in Bend, Oregon. And so they were all playing. It was beautiful. It was unbelievable. I mean, the baseball that was played, the defense and the base running, you know, last year that I got to watch was so fun to watch. It's the same thing this year. I mean, I'm watching guys. You know, I watched Texas State the alumni game the other day in, in Texas. They're older. Like you know, you got sophomore COVID sophomores, which are juniors. And all this kind of stuff, and guys that are 21 and sophomores are 22, and there's a lot of these guys could be and should be playing minor league baseball somewhere, and they're playing college baseball. And I'm telling you what, I, I think college baseball is going to be played. I thought last year was played at a really high level. You saw the high stakes drama in, in Omaha, but leading up to Omaha, I thought college baseball was unreal. And again, I think this year it's going to be even that much more mature, that much more fun to watch, that much more intense. And man, you get down when it's played like that, you're going to see a lot of four to three, five, three games. And I mean, it's going to be those ninth innings, those last three outs are going to be fun for college baseball all around the country, not just in the Big 12, all around the country, because it's going to be, I think, the most mature baseball college has ever seen. I love it. I love it. I think that uh, that's a great place to end it right there with uh, with Ty Harrington, the former Longhorn and 20-year uh, coach at Texas State. Always love talking baseball with my man, Ty Harrington. I also love how you said that Ty Madden had the greatest first name in the history of ever. <laughs> man, I got, I got to find a way to plug myself every once hey, in a while, too, right? That's what, you know, I, I can do that, right? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, Ty, thanks so much for the time, man. Let's do it again throughout the season. Always. You know, I'm always available. I love to talk college baseball in general and always love to visit with you. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Appreciate it. There he is, Ty Harrington. And uh, for Ty Harrington, I'm Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. We'll see you over at Horns 24-7. And until next time, thanks for listening and stay safe and keep the faith.